You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. I've been telling you for a long time that SaveWithConrad.com can save you money, but don't take my word for it. I'm calling some of our folks that we've helped out, really just trying to get their story. What made you come to Save with Conrad? The podcast. I mean, to be honest with you, Dave, I was working with Steven. Steven, man, that guy was on top of everything. He really made us a very, very comfortable whole process. Steven was definitely a five-star. As public school teachers, you know, you're giving so much of your time to to help these kids out that don't have it. We're we're living a life in this house right now of luxury that, that we both are extremely blessed to, to, to be in because of you guys. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think I reached out at like 10 o'clock at night, you know, here in Washington, and Conrad like responded to my email like within five minutes. He's like, we'll hook you up, dude. And I was like, this is the guy I want to work with. You know, we live in an area that is not affordable for teachers. And as soon as I, I talked to Conrad and, and, and Steven, they were just like, well, we can get this done. And it was just like, we never stressed about it at all. From your end, you guys were just out of this world for us. You know, we have four kids. As soon as we found this house and reached out to you guys, it was just like, it happened. It was just such a smooth process. I mean, I, I'm telling you, it was it was the easiest process to go through. If you had a friend or a coworker that was looking for help, would you recommend Say With Conrad to them? I have. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I have. They're like, yeah, you know, we're thinking about buying a house. I'm like, Say With Conrad. And and what what a great thing that, you know, you guys are located in Alabama and Conrad is like willing to uh, uh, purchase a house for us here in Washington State all the way across the, the country. This is our forever home. That's and, and for you guys to make our dreams come true in our forever home. It's a dream come true, it is. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! Thompson, and you're listening to Arn, and we are delighted to have the founder of the Four Horsemen, the Hall of Famer himself, the Enforcer, Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? I too am delighted. That's a good word, delighted. Yeah, delighted. I, yeah, I am having fun with this this podcast. I just want to thank everybody that's supporting us and. You know, letting us know that they're enjoying what we're doing, and you know, it's 
Thank you to you, Conrad. You made this thing seamless and just, you know, I think it's just important for people to know that, hey, we get together and we uh, do this show and there's no rehearsal and, you know, I'm hearing your questions for the first time and I apologize sometimes if it takes a second for me to remember that point in time and all that and everybody's been so patient and uh, I just want you to know we're going to continue to do the best job we can and we appreciate you guys listening and and supporting the show absolutely and we appreciate you joining us every week here on the show and and thank you Arn for donating some of your time to make it possible for all the wrestling fans like myself to enjoy and we enjoyed AEW Revolution this past week in Chicago and uh, well MJF and Cody finally came to a head. Anything you want to address there? Or should we just jump right into the questions? Yeah, I just think it didn't, it might've came to a head, but it's certainly boiled over and it's certainly going to continue on. MJF is not going to stop until he's the number one guy in the company, which I applaud that. He's just going to find that he's got some stumbling blocks along the way that he's going to find are a lot more difficult rocks that are harder to turn over than he thought they were going to be. Well, without further ado, let's get to our questions this week. It's another episode of hashtag ask anything. These are my absolute favorite episodes. We get to pick the brain of one of the all time greats, but man, a couple of weeks ago, I know you don't do much on social media, but I'm sure the fam saw it. Uh, a picture resurfaced from a few years ago where a guy named Jeremy register rang your doorbell at your house and woke you up from a nap and asked you to sign his belt. And instead of giving him a spine buster on your front porch, where there probably would have been paperwork involved, you just signed the thing and a screen grab of this guy bragging about this on Facebook went viral. It was all over Facebook, all over Twitter, all over Instagram, all over Reddit. And it has been our number one, most requested topic. Do you remember this Jeremy register moron ringing your doorbell, waking you up from a dead sleep and asking you to autograph a bootleg belt? Well, this is going to scare everyone, including my doctor and my family. I do not recall that. (laughs) Now. I have been beat down from some road trips from hell to where I was absolutely walking around in a daze for 48 hours trying to recover, you know, like Europe trips and when I'd been gone for 16 days in a row and took a red eye home overnight to where at, at, at 12 o'clock or two o'clock in the afternoon or whenever that, that would have been, I would have been completely out of it. And if I was the only one here and the phone went off or the doorbell rang and I answered it, God knows what the reaction would have been. Now, looking at the picture that accompanied the story, you could have very easily said that was a castle hopping gargoyle that was signing that autograph. (laughs) Because that's what I look like. You talk about having a bad hair day. Brother, I was having a bad body day, hair day, you name it day. Looked like I just crawled out from under a damn mollusk shell or something. It was terrible. 
So I would like to say that I was in a coma and I just reacted. And if a guy's <laughs> if a guy's going to go the trouble to driving and finding my house, I think he told me where he came from. Is it little bits of this are coming back to me? And I would have asked him, you know, where are you from? I would think. I think he told me and he, that it was drivable, but it was a pretty good trip or whatever. If he's going to drive that far to get something signed, least thing I can do is be cordial and sign it for him. He put out all the effort, not me. I stumbled out the door, down one step, signed it, and right back up another step and right back in the door. And I can assure you, I went right back into a coma. We should also mention, this is not advisable. Please never do this. Mrs. Anderson has a gun. And she will shoot your ass through the door. Do not ring Arn's door. Uh, please do not do that. Is that fair to say? Arne? And, yeah. And you hadn't even discussed the four pound Pomeranian that will <laughs> gnaw your toenail off. If you try to get in my house. And if Brock's there, uh, he, he will spine buster your ass. Old, old country style. Do not ring Arn's doorbell. Please do not do that for your safety and theirs. There will be paperwork involved. Yep, and there will be opportunities to meet folks, and I look forward to meeting every single one of them. Probably not at my home. Yeah, like meet him at a meet and greet. He's making appearances, I think, every single weekend this month. He's available. Come see him, but not at his private time with his family when he's taking a freaking nap. Leave him alone. Come on. Uh, Let's get to it. Josh Kuhn has some interesting questions. He's actually got a few here, two that are funny. Uh, well, one that's funny and and one that I'm kind of curious about, uh, I don't know how much of it you've seen. What does Arn think of the firefly Funhouse and the fiend Bray Wyatt? Anything that can get Bray Wyatt a fresh start after, uh, the raw deal he's gotten, uh, over the years, I'm all for. Uh, whoever came up with the mask is pretty scary looking. I think Bray can pull the character off. Bray Wyatt, just as Bray Wyatt in the beginning with those promos that he used to do. Uh, the Cape Fear-esque character was pretty scary to me. How about you? I loved it. I thought it was revolutionary, very well done, had really high hopes for it. It looked like he was going to be positioned as a top guy for a long time, and then he just fucking never won. So he wasn't. Well, and that's the only answer. That's the only negative. When you ask what went wrong, wasn't that he didn't perform. It wasn't that the Wyatts with him were not tremendous. Luke and Big Red were awesome. You know, they had some of the greatest six-man tags of the Shield I've ever seen. They were awesome. Uh, so he did everything right, except you got to win the big one. And if you continually lose the big one, people look at you as being a loser. But more importantly, they're smart enough to know our audience. If the company doesn't have anything planned for you and you're not going to be pushed as a star, they're not going to look at you as a star. Then if, if the company doesn't make you big, the audience won't make you big. And some of it too was just, um, I don't know. I felt like a reliant on quote unquote gimmicks and special effects and things like that. Like that WrestleMania match, you know, his first WrestleMania match with that character is against John Cena. And you think, oh shit, man, that's high cotton to be in fast forward. He's got a world title WrestleMania match with Randy Orton again, man, that's a big time spot. 
but they're going to project bugs on the canvas instead. Like it takes away from, I don't know. It felt like a reliant on gim a reliance on gimmicks. And that being said, I mean, he's brushed up against the rock at WrestleMania. I mean, there's been plenty of opportunity and for whatever reason, they just wouldn't pull the trigger. And, and I'm glad that he's got another crack at it now. Well, yeah. And if you back up and, you know, my memory banks are, you know, a little bit dusty because I've been dropped on my melon too many times. But if you back up, weren't Bray and uh, Randy partners prior to that match with the bugs on the mat and all that? Yeah, I think that's also where they like burned down a house in like rural <sighs> Missouri or something. Yeah, but prior to that, they were partners, right? Yeah. Was and that the time frame? And then they busted busted them up, and then they had their match, right? Right. They were over, and they were getting over strong as a team. I was there for it. It was tremendous. Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt made a great team, and it was it was going to be one of those things that we talk about on this show all the time when something gets hotter than it was expected to get and it starts to boil and percolate but without any help from the office a lot of times it just gets shut down because it gives those gives those talents too much stroke too much power and this was one of those situations because i was there and i saw it and i had i had a lot of their matches you know uh at tv those guys shouldn't have, they should have still been partners when that match went down at WrestleMania. So again, it's, it's one of those history things that things get cut off way short. And once you've shot the angle and they've had, you've had the match. Now you can't go back to it and have the same results down the road. You know, you get one crack at building these scenarios and if they haven't ran their course, it is what it is. The other thing worth mentioning too, since we're spending a lot of time on Bray Wyatt, that whole Daniel Bryan recruitment thing they did like five or six years ago, where he's like in the ring dressed as one of the camera crew or whatever, with the old coveralls, dude, just outstanding stuff. And then, uh, it is what it is. Uh, it is what it is. Is also another question from Josh Coon. He says, WWE brought back ECW as a third brand. Why does Arn think WWE never brought back WCW as a brand? Uh, Jim Ross actually writes about that a little bit in his new book. That's going to be out later this month at jrsbbq.com where he was actually recruiting a second, uh, a whole talent roster for a second show that was going to be on TNN, uh, for WCW. But then, uh, the match you did commentary on and, um, wherever town it was, uh, with, uh, uh, Buff Bagwell, Spokane, 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 Washington, Buff Bagwell, Booker T, uh, Vince immediately called an audible in the wee hours of the morning, right afterwards. And WCW's reboot was dead. Hypothetically, do you think it could have worked? Uh, not with who they hired as the WCW crew. Right. If you look at who they got, they got Booker T correct right they got bill demont they got the power plant guys the kids who had no experience you know how yet there were some that had potential the chuck palumbos etc that had potential but they were just getting started they were power plant guys 
all of the stars, and you got the producers, you got Fit Finley, uh, myself, Dean Malenko, you know, uh, you got that, that few guys, but I mean, we weren't, you know, Fit could still wrestle, Dean and myself, no. So, so what you were getting was a shell of the WCW company. All the top guys were going to write out their contracts, had been sent home, were getting paid to sit home, still had a year, year and a half left on their contract. They weren't going to throw that money away. So what you got was a shell of the former WCW roster coming across. And, uh, you know, you can't, if you did an invasion or you did another show, that's exactly what you would have seen. People would have been sitting there on their on their duff at home. Oh, okay. Uh, here's the WCW back on the air. Who are these guys? And when they start going, I don't know these guys, you're in trouble. Another question here from Josh. He wants to know if uh, Arn Anderson ever got to uh, step in the ring with the ding dongs. I was in the ring with a lot of ding dongs. They just weren't <laughs> named the ding dongs. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that. Uh, Tony wants to know what is the most pain you felt during a match? Was there a performer or a specific incident that sticks out where it really was a man that really hurt? Oh, let's see. Um, yeah, I've, I've pulled my groin pretty badly. And that was one of those, those painful injuries. Um, you know, I've had crack, cracked ankles, cracked wrists, broken fingers, my nose splattered probably half a dozen times. But I say of all those injuries and my neck, my neck wasn't so, so painful, it, but it was one of those things that all of a sudden my arm would shut down or my hand would shut down or I couldn't raise my arm, you know, above 180 degree angle or something like that. But, but the, the pulled groin is pretty painful, uh, because you can't sit, you can't lay down. The only thing that's not painful is standing up. You can't stand up 24 seven. You have to sit down at some point and then you got to lay down at some point. And all of those are, uh, really bad when you've got a pulled groin bad. So that was one of the most painful injuries that I've had. Owen writes in, in WCW, did you ever have any interaction with Ted Turner or uh, see him at any TV tapings or pay-per-views? He came to the show one time with, uh, his wife, Jane Fonda, and they sat in the crowd for about two matches. I never met him. I would have loved to have met him, but an honor to have met him. Uh, but he was just kind of ushered in, watched a couple matches, and uh, was I'm sure that he was supporting uh, the show and the product and letting everybody know that he was a fan too and just long enough to uh, to get caught on camera. And then he disappeared, and that's the only time I was ever in the same building with him, I think. CR dubs writes in, what are Arn's thoughts on the second horseman skit? Do you think it was overkill? This is the one backstage that involved David flair. Disco was mean gene. Conan was Mongo. Scott Hall was Piper. Nash was Arn, and Hogan was flair. Beating a dead horse. Wasn't it? It was. 
It's all you could say. It. There was a lot of a lot of thought and a lot of TV time and a lot of preparation. I would imagine went into beating a dead horse. He's already in the ground. He's already in sawdust form. So, do you like retro video games, movies, or wrestling from the '80s and '90s? If so, you've got to subscribe to the Dirty Game Room on YouTube. Every week, there's a new episode up covering what we all grew up with the golden age of the WWF, WCW, and ECW. The Dirty Game Room covers not only wrestling, but also classic Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, and Nintendo 64 games like Contra, Donkey Kong, WWF WrestleFest, No Mercy, Sonic, and so much more. It also goes over all the terrible games too, like Friday the 13th and Karate Kid, all for a good laugh, of course. So if you're looking for something to watch the next time you're holding your phone while taking a massive shit on the toilet, you might as well do yourself a favor and give the Dirty Game Room on YouTube a watch. If you like movies like Terminator 2, The Crow, Nightmare on Elm Street, Hook, and other classics from that era, this is definitely the channel for you. And right now, the Dirty Game Room is giving away a custom Cobra Kai Nintendo for free to one lucky subscriber. So pull out your phone, click on the YouTube app, and type in the Dirty Game Room and smash that subscribe button. The Dirty Game Room, where it's all retro all the time. Big Red writes in, hypothetically, if Ric Flair, Tully Blanchard, Ole Anderson, or Barry Windham were to have scratched one of your wheels, and hypothetically, it was an M-Series BMW uh, would the perpetrator have fallen victim to the spine buster? Well, now an M series is what Conrad Thompson drives, right? And Dave Silva just scratched the shit out of one of my wheels. He called it a scratch. It's been curbed to hell and back and it's gone viral more than 300,000 impressions. And everybody is now hating our friend Dave Silva, uh, for ruining my automobile. And, uh, saying he, he maybe might have accidentally scratched it. And, uh, of course he's offered to do absolutely nothing about it. So we're giving him shit here today. Guilty. If you wrecked a car and I just say that scratching a car that expensive is like wrecking a normal car. That car costs more in my house. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, it doesn't come on. Maybe not with all the furnishings and all that stuff, but <laughs> just the house for sure. Oh okay? my goodness. Now you can't get away with that. The one thing you have to do is number one, before I go any further with this story, how did he get the keys? So, uh, a guy, did the, he, he, okay, he, now he brought, tell the, the truth. I threw him to him. He was going to get breakfast for himself and another guy. And they said, Hey, do you want Chick-fil-A for breakfast? And I said, I already had it. Here you go. Take my car. Cause Dave's wife dropped him off. They had a car in the shop or something. I don't know. So I said, here you go. You can take my car because I know that Dave Silva drives an SUV, the exact same size as mine. So in my head, we're going to be good to go. But he brought it back and told me three hours after he was back that he needed to apologize to me because he might have scratched the wheel. The fact that the dimensions of his SUV being a probably a Hyundai or Kia or Ford or Chevrolet is where it begins and ends. The length is the same. Okay, the cost. We're talking cost here, value, right? I, I, I mean, I don't care about the value. It's the idea that you, you wreck my shit and then you try to downplay it. You know, like. I'm getting, 
I'm getting there. Okay. My apologies. The fact that you tossed him the keys with the idea in your head that nothing was going to happen simply because, or maybe it didn't even enter your head. You just went, Hey, he's got an SUV. That's about the same size as mine. Should not be an issue. Toss him the keys. First mistake. No yep. one should drive that vehicle other than you and the missus. Cause if she scratches it, you're not going to give her any grief cause nope. it ain't going to be worth it anyway. You got it. She'll just make a comeback on you and you'll wish you'd kept your mouth shut. Correct. Check. Such is married life. Yes. Okay. We all get it. And the fact that he scratched it. Okay. A little bit of that is on you because these days there's Uber Eats, there's Grubhub, there's yep. all that. Yep. That's my bad. Anything. Anything could have been delivered. You got to get current here, Conrad. You live in that damn castle up there, stuck in the side of the mountain with the affinity pool and shit. <laughs> you don't live in the real world. You got to get out of that bubble a little bit, get you some Grubhub or Uber Eats or something, or just have a guy on hold, stand by that's got his own vehicle that you send to get shit. That's it. <laughs> this one's on you, Dave. You're off the hook, kid. What? I didn't see this coming. All right, let's keep it moving here. Uh, we need, we need him. We do. Listen, he's not, he's not punished. You know, he's just, I didn't let him come over and watch the, the fight a couple of weeks ago with Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. I banned him from the house for that. That was his punishment, but he's, he's off the hook. Otherwise, uh, mayhem writes in, can you comment on the night? Seth Rollins was nearly impaled by the cage spike. It would have been watching at gorilla. Did you agent the match? This was back in raw, I think in like September of 2014, but as the cage is coming down, this is a different looking cage. There's a giant spike and Seth doesn't know it's coming. This could have been really bad and was the talk of the internet that evening. Do you remember this? No, 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 no. Was he standing on the floor? No, he wasn't standing on the floor. He was like scooting out of the ring. Maybe he was going back in to get his belt, but the cage is coming down and he's trying to beat the count. But it was almost like a fucking Indiana Jones type moment. No, I don't remember that, but God, uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't see it because that's one of those things that could, could happen. You know what I mean? It's so far fetched that it actually could fall underneath the cracks and could happen at some point. Um, but I don't remember seeing that. I, I must, you know, the fact that that producers are in the backstage area when certain matches are going on. There's a lot of stuff that happens that, you know, you don't get to just sit and watch the show. Right. So that might've been something that I just missed and wasn't privy to the conversation. And maybe the people working there didn't think it was as close a whiff as maybe the audience thought it was, you know, a lot of things could happen. Who knows? Interesting question here from Tommy. Does Arn have any Owen Hart stories? <laughs> Uh, I know you were only with Arn for, or, or with Owen for a little bit. Uh, obviously you weren't in the company when, when we lost Owen, but way back when you probably had a couple of run-ins with Owen, huh? Well, I just know Owen was always smiling and he was always pleasant. And, um, just so you know, I mean, Owen was a guy that ribbed guys and, uh, you know, I think the ribs that he perpetrated were funny and innocent and harmless and probably creative. Uh, our first television, mine and Tully, 
Fort Wayne, Indiana, when we got to TV, our very first TV, as soon as we walked in the back door, the fight between the Bulldogs and the Rougeos went down. Right. Okay. Immediately. So the reason this story is uh, is evolving into this is just so that everybody knows. Um, we had a meeting that day after this thing went down, and Vince called a meeting with all the talent and said, that's it, guys. A lot of this has been sparked by ribbing, apparently. No more ribbing. You want to get fined or fired? Rib, continue the ribbing. Ribbing is out. It's done. And you know, and there was stuff like people's pants legs were getting cut off, turn the guy slacks into uh, uh, you know a pair of Bermuda shorts and stuff like that. Stuff that was costly and wasn't funny. And when it starts going into a guy's pocket, it's not funny anymore. But all the ribbing got cut out, which would have taken away the Owen ribbing, which you know after we were there. So I didn't see any of that. I know he was a pleasant guy, tremendous worker, um, well thought of probably as much as anybody in the locker room by the talent. So nothing but good things to say about Owen. That's the same thing. Everybody says, man, Canadian Travis wants to know, is there a city you hated to visit when you were on the road? And if so, which one or ones did you dread to go to? No, I never, never had any cities that I hated because they all, at the end of the road, were producing uh, a living for me and my family. And that's the way you looked at it. And when you would get to a particular city, if it was difficult travel-wise and you were frustrated when you got there, the beauty was you got to go to the ring and take out your aggravation on your opponents in a working way and get rid of all that aggravation. So, um, you know, if, if the houses were small and some of the some of the uh, towns we would go to notoriously, you kind of knew about that in advance and you just took account that – Okay, we're going to have a smaller crowd, but you know what? We're going to work as hard for these folks as we would if there was 10,000. So that's how you grow your audience. The people that are there are your most loyal fans, the ones that come when nobody else does, whether it's a Sunday afternoon show and it happens to be a holiday that day or there's football games going on or other things that they could choose to do. Maybe it's just a beautiful day outside. Uh, and when people have options and they choose to come to your wrestling event, man, you should feel so honored to work and perform for those people, um, you know, as much or more than anybody else. Cause they came when nobody else did. And that was kind of the mentality that I always had, you know, give them the extra if you can. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, your, your least favorite hotel room. You had to have had a nightmare hotel situation at some point over the years. So if we're not going to say what was the worst town, surely you've got a worst hotel experience. You bet. <laughs> okay. Fit Finley and I producers for a show Springfield. What I say Springfield, Massachusetts. Okay, it was at the time of year when you have probably, probably May because it was graduation was in town that night. High schools were graduating. There was a couple of dances. There was a couple of other, was a convention of some time, some sort. Now, keep in mind over the years, 
and this era included, I always would sit down two or three weeks out, book my Marriott hotels across the board for all the towns that I was going to be coming to. For some reason, I was just thinking, oh, it's it's going to be a Friday night, you know, It's which notoriously the business travelers go home. You can usually get a Marriott, no issues, Friday night. Uh, well, everything was booked. Finley and I get, you know, we start calling and shows letting out and I still haven't found a room. And as it turned out, the, the closest room was about 80 miles away. So, um, we look at each other and go, now, do we really want to go 80 miles the wrong way and have to come back that 80 miles tomorrow and then have another 150 miles to drive wherever the town was? You know, that's, let's just go to some other hotel. So we're riding around and we see this mom and pop hotel and, uh, Hey, you want to give it a try? Well, we don't we don't have any other options. I fumbled fit. I'm sorry. I always booked the rooms for us. I shut the bed here big time. So we go in and uh, ring the bell. It's almost like I didn't even know those still existed. Ding, ding, ding. Out walks a 10-year-old kid. And uh, so I go, excuse me, is your... Your parents here? Is there an adult here? I'll check you in. So, okay, hold it right there. Do you have rooms? Yes, we have. How many do you need? I said, we need two rooms. He says, yes, I have I have two rooms. So he hands us the sheet of paper, and we fill it out. We hand him the paper back. Um he says uh, something along the lines of, you have you took the last two rooms. You're very lucky. Everything is booked solid from here to so-and-so. So, you know, I go, okay, yeah, I heard that. So I guess 10-year-old kid's saying it's got to be true. So we go park the car, and we start heading to our room, and I'm looking at my door as I get to it, start to put the key in. There's an opening above the top of the door, and I don't know, I don't know how you would describe it, but let's just say the door was supposed to be six feet. It was on, it was about three inches short. So there's about a three inch crack across the top of the door, the door facing. Now this was, you know, bug season, you name it, mosquito season, open the door, Mosquitoes flying around the room, so I'm spraying deodorant and all that shit, whatever will run them out. I look over, and there is actually, above the bed on the wall, looks like somebody threw a bucket of blood. Oh. So there had been a mere uh, murder of some sort or something go down in that room not too long ago. Uh, Now I'm looking around at the carpet. Not clean. So that night I ended up throwing the top cover off the bed, laying on the sheet, which seemed to be clean, slept in my socks, walked around in my socks. Uh, Air conditioner was rotten. It was probably the worst experience I've ever had on the road. So 
I don't think the hotel had a name. <laughs> it didn't have a name. That's the best part. No, no. And we just called it blood manor after that. And I never made the mistake of heading to a town without a hotel reservation at a Marriott again. You know, what's funny is, uh, the few times you and I have had some sort of travel instance, you always start the conversation by saying, now I'm a Marriott guy. So now I know why you stick to the roads, you know, the best, because as a rule of thumb, the Marriott doors are going to shut and there's probably not blood on the wall. 3000 plus stays later at a Marriott. I've never been disappointed. Thank you, Marriott. That's why I stay there. Uh, Rob writes in, what are your thoughts on the silly over the top rope disqualification rule? Of course, he's talking about in the bill Watts era. Well, you know, bill was used to doing business a certain way and he thought, you know, he could walk in and, and recreate some scenarios and some rules that, that probably worked 10 years earlier. Um, you know, and, and what went along with those, uh, over the top rope rule is he took the pads away from the floor. That was the added extra. So if you threw a guy over the top rope, he was going to be landing on the cement. Well, that's okay. If you're in control of yourself going over the top rope, landing on the cement, some guys weren't very skilled at that. Some guys weren't skilled getting thrown through the ropes. So what became just part of a storyline and, and one of the rules and one of the perils that might happen started to happen. People were getting hurt landing out there, the condensation on the concrete floor in some arenas, you know, in the summer, the humidity, all that stuff, people spilling beers, spilling soft drinks. And now you got a real life hazard. So that was one of the things, you know, that he put in place that, that kind of blew up in our face. Okay, all right, we need to run a timeout right now to remind everybody about some new news we just discovered in the new year. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. I just think that's unfair. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and of course, they're reliably low. RockAuto.com also offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like an airline might do. RockAuto.com is for everybody doesn't even require a membership or an account login. And I got to tell you, I first discovered rockauto.com when I got my dad, his old classic car a few years ago for his birthday. Uh, and I got a great deal on it or so I thought, and then I realized, man, this thing needs a lot of work, but rockauto.com made it fast and easy. You see, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for like 20 years now. Go to rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you could ever need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps and motor oil. Dude, even new carpet is at rockauto.com. Whether it's your classic or a daily driver, you can get everything you need in just a few easy clicks. And maybe best of all, it's delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. So easy, even Arn could do it. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. But best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low 
and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And when you get to that box that says, how'd you hear about us? Please write in ARN, A-R-N, so they know that we sent you. You'll see an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Let's talk a little bit about, um, I can't believe that we haven't talked about this before. This is from Jonathan. What was it like doing the raw after the Royal rumble 2015? The show was canceled due to weather and they almost had to make that happen recently. What was it like trying to make a three hour raw with no audience? Now, when was this again? It was 2015, right after the Royal rumble. You may remember they had uh, Dean Ambrose in the studio and, um, the show was canceled because of this incredible snowstorm. So they had to just make do everyone was stranded. Do you remember that? What's, what city was that? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. The show wound up being from, uh, uh, from, from the, the studio there in, in Stanford. Okay. So we just hadn't ended up staying in the town probably where the rumble was correct i was in connecticut i mean if we were snowed in and couldn't get to raw to produce the show that meant everybody just probably had to end up spending the day where we were hartford connecticut is where it was supposed to be a crazy snowstorm um and then you know they even postponed the smackdown taping it was uh Oh, wait a you know what? Now I remember that, you know, what we ended up having to do is we stayed in Hartford. We actually got there. I want to say the night before, but the snowstorm was so bad overnight that none of the fans could get there. There was no, nothing moving downtown. We were stuck there like four days. Wow. If that's the memory that I have, because we were staying there to, to do raw and SmackDown and we're actually going to have to do them a day, you know, like SmackDown a, a day later or something. I don't know what it was, but we ended up having to stay there four days and we were snowed in. Um, again, thank God we're at a Marriott there at least had some food. Um, and there was a goals gym, believe it or not, that was about a mile and a half down the road that we could tough it out. And they had plowed it. I guess enough gym members had raised hell that, you know, they at least wanted to be able to work out. So they somehow had that path from the hotel to there plowed and were able to get to the gym, which is the only thing that saved us. But yeah, we were stuck there four days in a snowstorm. Mike Cohen writes that's, Go ahead. That's what I remember. Um, Mike Cohen writes in. Who was your favorite producer backstage to work with, planning out matches, et cetera, during your long tenure in WWE backstage? Was there a favorite television producer? Well, we all we all had individual matches. You never had two producers on a match. There was occasionally, like if it was a big battle royal or something that was going to involve a ton of moving parts. You would get to work with, uh, another producer. Sometimes there would be two. Jamie Noble is, is very, very underrated and underappreciated with that company. He's a, 
he's a smart kid. He's a, he's very talented, very dependable, very creative. Dean Malenko was great, you know, ton of knowledge, fit Finley, same thing. Uh, you know, Mike Rotundo, very solid, you know, all producers, every one of them with their backgrounds and their knowledge and working knowledge of the business. Enjoyed working with all those guys. Donnie G wants to know, do you think the production value of the WWF helped put Crockett out of business in the end, or was it something else the fans couldn't see? Well, no, their production values were fantastic from day one. I mean, the clarity of their picture was on that show is the one thing. It, it was the star of the show. Before you ever saw a match, you would look at the clarity of the of the picture and, and just go, wow. I mean, that, that, that's, that was HD before HD. Um, no, Jim Crockett put himself out of business, you know. He, uh, it goes back to taking care of the guys that got them where they, where they were in a position to compete with WWF. And, um, you know, when they made the mistake of not taking care of, of myself and Blanchard and a few other key players and, and uh, taking care of that foundation, you know, they would still be in business. I, I firmly believe that. I mean, maybe it may be pompous or egotistical, but when Tully and I left, we broke up a group of guys that was the nucleus, a major part of the nucleus, along with the Midnight Express and Cornette of the heels of, of a fantastic company. And you had guys that could produce on a nightly basis. And when you let that, when you let that group disintegrate, it was the beginning of the end for Jim Crockett promotions. And that was, uh, you know, if you look back in history, had we stayed and, and you probably, you know, I don't know if they would have sold to Turner or not, who knows, uh, but I just think things would have been different. Captain Zach writes in back when SmackDown was not live and a botch happened. I've heard Bruce and others talk about making the talent quote unquote, redo something. How do you go about doing that? Like if a finish looked bad or something was missed, do you send the guys back out? Yeah, obviously, you know, when we were there before, um, back in 88, we we're wrestling there. And I, if you'd have told me this. I'd, I'd have headbutted you probably for insulting me, my intelligence. Um, back in the day, they would have one thing go wrong in a match that that they didn't like, and they would have them wait about 30 minutes and go back and have the exact same match but fix the one mistake that was in perceived in that match. So if it was 15-minute match, you would go back and have to do the entire match. I saw Bret Hart and Kurt Henning have a match, and I was sitting there with my jaw on the ground going, good God, these guys are tearing the joint down. Well, apparently, there was like 30 seconds at the front end of the thing where Kurt was just jawing at the audience or whatever he was doing, just something ridiculous, but it fit within the confines of the match. But they just felt like he stalled too long. Well, other than just pull that up and take that out and, you know, 
you know, with technology being what it was, they could have easily fixed it that way. They had to go back out 20 minutes later and do that entire match again. But just start quicker, if you can believe that. It's crazy. Yeah, so I saw it. Yeah, I saw it in practice several times. And let me tell you something. The audience would just sit there looking at each other. They weren't popping the second go around. After about three or four minutes, they would go, well, this is the exact same match they already had earlier. Right. There was nobody cared. Nobody put any emphasis on, hey, we're just, let's just go ahead and smarten up the audience. 100%. Let's beat them over the head with the fact that it's all bullshit. It's all preordained. All right, listen up. I got a question for you. If you're listening to this podcast right now, take a second and look down. When was the last time you shaved your junk? It's been a while. Don't lie. Let's take a second to thank our sponsor manscaped for holding you accountable to get rid of the funk and shave your junk. You see, manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below the waist grooming and hygiene. And listen, everybody's got a funny story where they first learned they had to pull them tight and maybe they didn't know. And there was a little nick or snag and like CSI Alabama in your bathroom. Well, manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0 essentials kit. Check it out. These are the perfect tools for your family jewels. Now, this perfect package 3.0 kit is going to come with the new and improved lawnmower 3.0. It's a waterproof cordless body trimmer, and it's got a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine all inside this kit. The third generation trimmer is going to feature a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent those manscaping accidents. How about that? Millions of balls are about to be nick free. Thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Now, of course, let's not forget about our favorite, the crop preserver. That's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You're already putting deodorant on your armpits, right? So why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? That's just common sense. And when you purchase the new perfect package 3.0 kit from manscaped.com, you will get the biggest bang for your buck. How about this? Subscribers even get a new replacement blade. So you can refill your lawnmower trimmer and it'll be delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. Now for a limited time, subscribers get one, no, no, not one, two free gifts. We're talking about the shed travel bag, which is like a $39 value. And of course their patented high performance, anti-chafing manscape boxer briefs. This really is the perfect package for your perfect package. And you can even get 20% off plus free shipping when you use our promo code ARN, A-R-N, at manscaped.com. So do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job, and we make it easy. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code ARN at manscaped.com. One last time, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use our code A-R-N. Your partner, your body, and your balls will thank you. Speaking of bullshit, Brendan O'Shea writes in, is it true that you recently had to pull apart Tony Schiavone and Dean Malenko backstage because of their massive heat? No, Tony was hiding under a table. Dean was looking for him, tripped and fell and was at eye level with Tony underneath the kitchen table. Oh, wow. So Tony being a scrambler like he is, which no one knew, scrambled, crab crawled, duck walked, and then broke into a sprint 
to escape one of the 800 holds that Dean Malenko still possesses. Well, good for Tony. That could have been the end. Run for your life. Uh, Brave Dirty Defender writes in, in Arn's prolific career, uh, who was his favorite celebrity he ever got to work with or meet? Anyone he ever marked out for? You betcha. Twice. Um, One was the actor that was on an old Western. His name was like, it was just a common name, something Smith. And it was like, Conrad, you might know this. It was just, it was like an old Western. Um, but the guy, he wore like a rawhide shirt and his arms were just incredible. And I'll tell you the actor he was, he was in every which way, but loose with Clint Eastwood. You remember the jacked guy that he, that Clint Eastwood fought? Yes, I do. Good. I mean, a good look. It was something Smith. I, I, I can't remember his name, but I mean, really jacked. Uh, I met him in LA backstage and it was crazy because I walked by and he called me by name and I looked at him and I immediately recognized him. And he was one of the guys that when I was just a kid that along with Rocky Johnson inspired me to start lifting weights. I was so impressed with his physique. Um, that was the first time. Second time was, uh, wrestling for the WWF. We had a knock on the door and the guy came in the stuck his head. And he said, Hey, uh, Arn Tully, there's, there's some, some guys out here would like to say hello if you don't mind. And we walked out the door and it was Gene Hackman with his grandson. Oh, wow. So let me get this right. Gene Hackman wants to talk to me and him. And it turned out, he said his grandson was a big fan he watched the show periodically. He knew who we were. We were a couple of his favorites, and I got a picture hanging up in my in my uh, trophy room, up at the computer room, of of us with Gene Hackman, and I was just sitting there. I'm such a huge fan of his acting work. Um, I was just in awe. Yeah, so I was a bumbling, stumbling, fumbling fool in his presence, I'm sure. I like it. That's fun stuff, man. And when we get to hear about guys that we're fans of talking about what they were fans of, uh, Rob R writes in Aaron, what did you prefer the TBS studios or center stage? And can you tell us the pros and cons of each? Well, center stage was taped in the evening. I'm not a morning guy. TBS studios. We would fly in from somewhere on a private plane on Friday. Uh, Friday night after the show, which means we could got in at three in the morning. You had to be ready to rock and roll the next day at 9.30 a.m. in the studios. Now, they had softer couches and stuff to sit in. They had nicer dressing rooms and locker rooms for the guys. They weren't actually dressing rooms. It was just a bunch of couches and stuff, but had a nicer shower area at uh, TBS Studios than Center Stage. But Center Stage was, well, when wrestling is its most effective. It was at, at night. So you'd have to be there at like, you know, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, which gave you the day to, to rest up, work out, 
do whatever you need to do before you got there. Um, and then after the, you know, we would start taping it around 10.30 or so. We would finish up around 12.30 at uh, TBS Studios. And then you had to head right straight to the airport because you had a show that night somewhere. So Saturdays were a tough day when we were doing the studios. Interesting question here from late to the Nitro Party. Who would you say is the most interesting man in the wrestling world? The most interesting man in the wrestling world. Wow. That covers a lot of ground, a lot of ground. Yeah. You're pretty interesting. Conrad. Oh no. There's way more interest. I mean, here's a, for instance, we've heard that Paul Ellering could be a fairly interesting guy. I mean, Chris Jericho, I guess is pretty interesting. Uh, there, I mean, there's gotta be two or three that we don't know. Well, Paul Ellering is, you know, he was a, a completely different cat. You know what I mean? I mean, he trained people for the Iditarod. Were you aware of that? I did not know that, no. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty heavy. That's pretty stout. He disappeared up into Alaska, and that was what he did for a while, you know. Um, Chris has evolved most definitely. He is... Uh, I'm not sure if if there were some naysayers that you know that felt that Chris, you know, might not could handle you know being the the face of the company and the the champion and all those things, but he's done an incredible job with it. Um, I think Tony Khan and his background of of where he has came from and just going from being a very successful entrepreneur and a wrestling fan to being a owner of a company that I'm, I've been saying it is the future of the wrestling industry. And they're going to just continue to grow and get better and get smarter and make bigger and better decisions and just flourish. I, I truly believe that because I see the attitude of everybody that works there. So, that you know, he's an interesting guy. I think the guy that um, the Smashing Pumpkins gentleman that has opened up the NWA is an interesting guy. What's Billy Corgan? That's right. That's you his got name? Yeah. Yep. To go from a rocker to the owner of uh, the NWA, which is – you know, has a lot of stroke with me, that name, it, you know, it only means something if we make it mean something. And NWA is what I was brought up on. They are carving out a niche for themselves. Their champions doing a good job uh, and their whole crew. So, I mean, the business is starting to ignite a little bit more and flourish a little bit more. And I see that Ring of Honor is doing better and, and uh, Impact. You know, they got a nice TV slot. So I think the wrestling business in the next year or two, it will just continue to grow and flourish. And all these young people, my biggest concern was, you know, a few years ago that especially having a son that is interested in, you know, breaking in the business was going to be, where does he go? You know, where does he go to get reps? Where does he go to get seasoned? Where's he going to learn? Who's he going to learn from, you know? Is he going to have a job at the end of the rainbow after he goes through his training? What's going to be available? And 
you know, three or four years ago, it was a, a daunting situation and uh, pretty dark, to be honest with you. I didn't see a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. Well, it's there is light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, the opportunities for these young, talented performers is just getting better and better all the time. Let's keep moving here. Uh, Sean wants to know what is the biggest misconception that wrestling fans have about wrestling or something that they think they know but is actually completely wrong. Um, I think maybe they, and they, they don't do this intentionally, but I think it's, it's probably a misconception or just fans aren't aware of it is the travel involved uh, on a tour, just getting from town to town and, you know, how many issues there are with traveling itself and how difficult it is and flying to different places and then having to jump off a plane and grab a rent a car and drive 200 miles and make all that happen and get there at a certain time so that you're there before a show. And then what happens if your flight gets canceled and now you got a three or four hour wait, which throws your entire day off. And it's now you're scrambling to have to fly to another town and get another car and, and drive because that airport's now closed or whatever the reason may be. The difficulty sometimes on tours uh, that are involved with travel can be very, very trying and very nerve-wracking and dangerous because now you got guys that are late flying into a different town than they should have, jumping in a rental car and driving way too fast and way too reckless to make a show, and uh, it just ups the danger level. And uh, I just think that... A lot of fans just kind of think there's a genie that blinks their eyes and we're suddenly in the town and it wasn't that big a deal and and all that. But, you know, travel is a real issue for, for ask your business travelers or anyone that, that travels on a regular basis. It can be a lot more difficult than anyone ever believed. The Big Apple writes in, if you could have dinner with three other people, dead or alive, who would they be? Don't say something lame like your family. He means celebrities. <laughs> How many times have I said something lame? <laughs> I just know that that's like your heart. You'd be like, well, if I had Brock and I could get the wife. And... No, no, no. You know, that's one of the first times you've really not shot at me. <laughs> Got to admit, I wasn't expecting it. I'll start wearing a cup from now on. What do you think? Who about, would you have dinner with? Three people, dead or alive. Uh, how about Robert De Niro? Okay. Um, how about um, Jesus? Okay. Um. Hope nobody gets whacked at dinner. You got a, a, a wannabe mobster and our Lord and Savior. Oh, this is going to be an interesting seat. This last seat here. Yeah. We're going to make this third seat really, really one from the heart. Uh, 
How about Larry Zonka? That's a group right there, man. Jesus, Larry Zonka, and and Robert De Niro. I almost said Al Pacino. I like it. That's uh all all heavy hitters, wouldn't you say? Yes, one especially, one more than others. Yes. Yes. And if the other two heavy hitters get too far out of line, the one can certainly shut it down. He'll bring it back down the center for us. Uh, the emperor of tomorrow wants to write in. This is an interesting question. Being this is black history month. Who's your all time favorite African-American wrestler. So let's talk about guys you actually worked with. Cause you know, you could, it would be really hard to go before you were wrestling. And, and now since you're out of the ring, but when you were in there with them, who was your favorite African-American performer? Simmons is real good. Um, very good. Matter of fact, um, Butch Reed was very good. Uh, Booker T very good. Enjoyed working tags with him and Stevie Ray, who was a beast in the day. Matter of fact, Stevie Ray was really strong in the weight room. I don't know if anybody knows that like 600 match, something ridiculous. Um, let's see who else, who else, who else? JYD I enjoyed working with because I owed him and he was a lot of fun. He had, you know, by the time I wrestled him, he was, you know, doing some gimmick stuff and it was just a entertainment match, but fun to do, easy to do. And like I said, he, he actually was instrumental in helping me get my first push. So I owed him. So I was thrilled to get to repay him. Uh, that's the ones that come to mind. I would think. Jill writes in, this will sound crazy, but I've always wondered if the follically challenged wrestlers think that that affects their value. Would you or Hogan have made more money with a full head of hair? I think Savage and Hogan were self-conscious about it. Were you? No, cause I never had any, I mean, I didn't, no one ever approached me and said, you know what? Stand still for a minute, smile. I'm going to, I'm going to put you in a commercial. You have got that star power. Look, I, I never looked like that. I always looked like a sixth grade teacher that might hit you in the head with a beer mug. If you got out of line, that was my claim to fame. Uh, never had a big flowing head of hair once I got into business. Now, growing up, believe it or not, high school and thereafter, pretty decent head of hair. However, I started cutting meat in a grocery store and a freezer and caffeined up to be able to get in there at 2 o'clock in the morning, cut meat for 8 to 10 hours. It all fell out in about a year and a half, two years. It just that environment just killed it. So I uh, never had hair, never worried about having hair. Um, I don't think Hulk would have been a bigger star if he would have had hair. Um, how could he have been? I mean, he's the biggest star ever in the business at that point. I mean, I don't know how it would yeah, have been possible you, to be. Bigger. How do you raise, how do you raise the bar? Yeah. It's already on the ceiling. One last one. Then we'll get out of here. Uh, Chris Robertson writes in, was there ever a member of the horseman that really didn't want to be there? Uh, like where you guys had uh legit heat backstage because he just did not want to be in this group. 
Well, I think Paul Roma went on record saying he didn't want to be part of the group, which that, that was fine. He didn't, you know, if he didn't feel comfortable, it wasn't my call to put him in. Uh, that was someone else's call. He wasn't happy with it. You know, I don't know, you know, of how the other guys felt. I think Dean was fine with it. I know Benoit was fine with it. Mongo was fine with it. Uh, Barry Wyndham was fine with it. Probably Lex, it would not have been his first choice for what he had for his career. Lex was a baby face. Looked like a million dollars. I'm sure that period in his mind, being with us, might have set his career back. That would be his possible thought process because he knew where he was wanting to go with his career. You know, I think it helped him because you got to appreciate the way to appreciate this business, you got to be a heel before you're a baby face. you got to get your ass bounced around and bumped around and and uh, have to earn your interest from the fans uh, in a whole different way than being a baby face. You lose every night. You know, you get your ass kicked every night. Your job is to shine the other guy up every night, and uh, I'm not sure that's what Lex had in mind for his career. Well, what we have in mind is bringing you an entertaining show every week here on Westwood one tune in every Tuesday to hear Arn tell his story. And of course, every other week you get to pick his brain and ask questions. So if you haven't already go follow us on Twitter and stay tuned in two weeks, we'll be back with more of your questions. And of course it's WrestleMania season. So look for more of that coming your way here on the Arn show. Uh, but again, our Twitter handle is at the Arn show. Follow us there. Ask your questions for Arn. And of course, hit that five-star button if you think we've earned it. And be sure to hit that subscribe button. And tell your friends about your new favorite podcast here only on Westwood One. Every Tuesday, it's Arn. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together... It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.